Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about whether using equity in your home means higher mortgage repayments for you. Now, this is an interesting question that we got while we were actually over at a conference in Las Vegas. And uh, listener of the show, Manuel, there's a little call out for you, uh, sent us a text and said, hey guys, if I'm using equity in my home to fund the deposit for an investment property, does that mean I have a, a larger mortgage on my own property? And the answer is technically yes, because you're, if, especially if you're using split banking, then you're going to use some of the, the equity in your current home in order to guarantee the deposit for, for your investment property. And the second question then was, well, does that mean that there are higher mortgage repayments? And the answer is no. And Andrew's going to explain to us both why the answer is no and also the tax implications that come with it. So Andrew, walk us through how this typically works. So just to firstly cover off um, how it works if you are borrowing the deposit against your own house. So if you uh, have got your house with, say, the BNZ uh, and you you have 50% equity in it, you might then apply for um, a second mortgage for an investment property. Now, if you do that with your, with the same bank, so BNZ, um, they might lend you 100% on the investment property. And so it feels to us like we've borrowed all that money for the from the investment property and it doesn't involve ours. But the bank is linking those two securities in together. If you borrow the money and you do split banking, so you borrow, say, a hundred thousand dollar deposit, go to the go to Westpac and borrow another four hundred thousand, that feels like our mortgage has gone up, and it has. Um, it has the first way as well. It's just that we allocate that we th- we think of it as against the rental property because it's one loan. If you borrow the hundred thousand from BNZ, yes, your mortgage goes up, but you also account for those repayments in your cash flow of the rental property because your rental income is going to essentially pay for both the mortgages, the 400000 and the 100000 So when you do your budget, you're going to include an entire $500,000 worth of debt um, split against two banks. And so it really, really doesn't affect your personal repayments. Your personal mortgage should remain exactly as it is. Um, and, and again, this is why on an investment mortgage, you generally have an interest-only mortgage because you're still wanting to pay down your mortgage as quickly as possible. As for the tax implications, um, the test for tax is what the purpose of the money was used for. So the fact that the money was borrowed against your house doesn't make it owner-occupied debt. If it was used for an investment purpose, which is to buy an investment property, then it is tax deductible. Similarly, if you had a situation where you leveraged your rental property to buy a new car, that's not tax deductible because the purpose was for a personal use, not for an investment use, despite the fact that it is against an investment property. And just to just walk through again, there is a difference here between the structure of how the deposits work and how the cash flow works. So if you're borrowing 100% uh, of, of the property's purchase value, of the investment property's purchase value, 80% of that is leveraged against the investment property and 20% of, of the value of that lending is, is secured against your own property. But from a cash flow perspective, it is 100% against the investment property. And that's why you sometimes, or, or actually I should say frequently, need to put in a small top-up, which might be $50 or $75 a week, to 
to fully top up the cash flow of that property once you account for things like vacancy and maintenance of these things to make to keep that investment property afloat. It's because you've got higher mortgage repayments because you've borrowed 100% of the purchase price for it. And um, there's nothing really that unusual about this because this is the way that most Kiwi investors get started an investment property. Am, am I right, Andrew? Absolutely. I think most people in New Zealand, um, if they're if they're starting out buying their first or second rental property, usually that's with equity. And um, you and, and the good thing about that is you're unlocking the the equity that you've built in your house that you've got no um, ability to use otherwise. You need to leverage against that so that you can um, build some build an asset base because while it's in your house doing nothing, it's just lazy dead money. And the other thing as well is that there really isn't much alternative for a lot of people as well because if you're not leveraging uh, the the equity either in your own property or somebody else's property the, the alternative is that you need to do it the standard way you need to use cash as your deposit so on a $500,000 property based on a 20% deposit, you'd need $100,000 worth of cash to put in as the deposit for your investment property in order to get it going. Now we know the fact is that most people don't have that sort of money lying around to be able to, you know, whether in cash or in shares or term deposits or some sort of other liquid investment where they can pull that cash out and then put it into an investment property. Instead, you've got to use the wealth you have within your, your existing property and make it liquid by, by and what I mean by that is turn it into cash by borrowing against it so that you can go away and make another investment. So it it, it just comes down to necessity, I guess, is, is that if people want to grow their wealth and, and, and sort themselves out for the future, you've got to use the equity that you've got to be able to get ahead. And it's much easier once you've got a second property or a third property to just um, have that accumulative um, result of, of all these properties going up in value. The first property you buy is the hardest because um, you've got to save the deposit yourself. The second property is much easier because your house has gone up in value in the third and the fourth and it just gets easier and easier. But I can understand this question as well because if, you are, if you've got just your own property or you've got a small portfolio, you, know, you might actually be worried about, gosh, I can't afford increased mortgage repayments against my own home if I take an extra $100,000 out. But again, that's going to be covered primarily, or the majority of that is going to be covered by the, the rent that you receive on that rental property, on that investment property. And that's how you, you don't have astronomically high mortgage repayments while you can still become an investor. There may be a top up, it may be negatively geared, which I know we've covered in previous episodes, uh, but that that might be, again, limited to, say, $50, $75, depending on the type of property, depending on where it is and the yield and these sorts of things. Now, let's wrap it up there, but don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you've been thinking about getting into property investment for a while, why not just tap or swipe over that cover up? What I'm going to link in there is the Property Investor Quiz. Now, this is a seven-question quiz, which gives you a yes, no, or maybe answer about whether you're able to get started. So tap or swipe over that cover up. It'll take you right there. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>